The other thing that I hate is the word failure. You know, that just needs to be cut out. If you want to guarantee, you have to go work for somebody. Go from making six figures to making no figures is pretty uh, rough. And I think a lot of times people make that mistake is they're trying to be other people instead of being themselves and figure out what works for them. Cool. John Mansour, company I started with my business partner, Dave, called B4. The actual entity is called Sunshine Supplements, but the product we sell is called B4 or what to drink before you drink. You know, we're located in Orlando. That's where I was born and raised. Went to school, preschool, all the way up till high school here. And then uh, went to college slash pharmacy school in Tallahassee at Florida A&M or FAMU. Go Rattlers. Had a couple different jobs, kind of worked all around the U.S. And then, of course, ended back home. Not that it matters either way, but are you Caucasian or African-American or in between? I would say <laughs> I'm brown. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I asked FAMU, I mean, I'd, yeah, a lot of people don't know more than likely. I, I live in Jacksonville, so I'm yeah. down the street. So I didn't know what that would be yeah, like. I, I know they have a good pharmacy program, but. Yeah. So on my legal application, I have to put Caucasian. My parents both are Egyptian, both from Egypt. But me and my brother, I have an older brother named David as well. So it gets confusing with my business partner, but I have an older brother named David and he was born in Jersey City and I was born here in Orlando. So we were both born in the state. Yeah. So people who don't know it's predominantly African-American schools. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. I was just curious how that was. I don't know anyone who went there. So it was awesome. I have an older cousin named Mark and he went to pharmacy school there. And that's kind of how I found out about it. And my mom is a pharmacist and my dad told me I'm not allowed to be a vet. So <laughs> I, think he, I think he knew my personality, but so I ended up applying to pharmacy school there and I had a seven year program and they had some scholarships there. And long story short, it was just a great financial decision and also a great decision just for life. Have a good degree, have a good science background, all that stuff. And of course, it worked out with B4. That's how I created it with the knowledge I had from pharmacy school. Why did you not, I guess you said your dad told you not to be a vet. Why was that? I Well, of course, I, so I wanted to be a vet initially. I think he recognized that it was probably because he had his own business is more of what I was attracted to. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to be a vet. But I was probably saying it because I wanted to take over as practice, you know, having a, a small business, being my own boss. I just didn't really have my thoughts developed yet. I was just like, I'm going to be a vet. And he was like, no, it's not a good idea. So, you know, long story short, I just kind of at working with him and stuff like that and working with my mom. I realized I didn't really like school per se, but I knew I wanted to have a science background. I wanted to do something in the medical field. I liked having the information. I think it's valuable, but I also think I saw my longer term goal, which was have my own business. And so I thought having a science background just kind of gave me that permission, permission slip, if you will. So even when you were trying to be a pharmacist, where is it just like, hey, it's a, into a mean, hopefully I'll do that for a couple of years, save up money and start my own business? 100%. That's all I thought about. I liked it because I really do. I have an obsession with helping people. So I do like that. But I like getting the information to be able to help anybody around me. So it was kind of uh, twofold. I liked that I could be a pharmacist. I had all this science background, all the science information, you know, and pharmacists really are gatekeepers, right, to the, the medical world. You know, you have a doctor can write a script, but they can't dispense per se. Pharmacist is really there to kind of help regulate things. So I thought that was cool. So I just liked having the information. And yes, it was a good life. I knew that they made pretty good money. And I knew at the time, I was like, well, I'll just live with my parents <laughs> and save up what I can. And then uh, when I'm ready to, to kind of jump off the cliff, I'll have uh, enough savings to do it. 
Could you talk to us a little bit more about the company, what it is, and how you're able to make that transition? For B4? Yeah. When you say the transition, you mean just from working with somebody to starting my own business? Exactly. 100%. So yeah, just because a lot of the people who are listening, maybe they're not as lucky to have maybe a high paying job as first, like maybe that you had as a pharmacist coming out. But people who are in that mindset who still want to start their own company, but haven't yet, those are kind of the, maybe some of the people who are listening. Just tell us about that experience, what you did to make sure it happened. I did start another business prior to before, but it's still the same mentality regardless. So I did work corporate job. I worked as a retail pharmacist and then I did some business consulting for one of the Fortune 500 companies. And really all that I learned was that they're going to pay you good money and they're going to pay you to do you know good job, but they're paying you for time and they're paying you, in my opinion, not a good amount of money. It's not really a value for what they're taking from you. I traveled all over the US doing consulting and, and it takes up a lot of time, a lot of family time. I just recently got married one day, you know, wake up in the morning, my boss calls, says, Hey, I need you over here. I need you over there. And then you'd be gone for a week. Really over time, all that that happened was I actually kind of forgot about the money. I forgot about the savings. Maybe it was convenient because I was making decent money, but I really forgot about that. What I thought about really was, well, if I'm giving these people all of this time, wouldn't I be able to use that, to create something for myself and try to make it myself and have my own say? Because right now I don't have my own say, and I'm getting paid to kind of shut up. And I just didn't like that. It's just not how I think. And I think that is really the the real key that got triggered was for my whole life, I felt pretty weird already. I thought it was, you know, it was kind of the weird child. It was a bit crazy, but I just didn't think like, hey, I need to go work behind a desk. It just was never in my mind. I just always was fascinated with starting new things, trying things people said can't be done or won't be done, or, you know, they talk about it amongst friends and they laugh. Oh, that's a good idea. We should try it. It never happened. I was never that person. I was like, okay, let's go do it. I didn't care if I failed. I didn't care if it didn't work, don't work. All that was in my mind was I want to go do this because it sounds cool. It sounds fun. That's all that got triggered was I was working. I was like, this sucks. And it just kind of lit a fire and like, okay, well make a move now. I'm young. If it doesn't work, it's pretty easy to go get a job working for somebody. I mean, you just go apply, you know, they're looking for people, they'll pay. That was it. I thought the risk was staying actually. It sounded like you maybe were living still at home, saved up some money. And that's when you said you were not the type of person who talks about doing something that you actually do something. Yeah, that's my whole life. Probably why people think I'm a little, always a little bit crazy or my mom is always, always worried just because I was like, yeah, we'll try it. Why not? At the time I was just, uh, you know, my first business, I'd just gotten married and my wife and I moved in and I was at the beginning of go time <laughs> and I still was like, okay, you know, it's, I just told my wife, Hey, you know, I got to quit. You know, I'm going to put my two weeks in and I'm, I'm going to go start this business. And she was okay with it. We had some savings, but it was going to turn into zero. And I remember having uh, dinner with my parents and my mom was like cheering me on as all mama's boys do. You can do it, you know, and her, her accent is like, you know, you, you know, I believe in you. My dad was freaking out. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're making good money. And he's just worried about me and my personality. And just, he probably saw a bunch of stuff that was going to happen, you know, stuff I was going to have to learn easy way, hard way. And just worried about it. So that was kind of interesting, especially because they took credible risks. You know, they moved from Egypt. They don't speak the language. You know, they have to get all the equivalency exam for their degrees. You know, they have 
to do all this stuff. You know, he had to start his own business. And I thought that was a huge risk. And I was living on a cloud pretty much. I grew up very well off and everything was always taken care of. And then I'm you know, going to start my business. My dad's freaking out. So it was a weird, really different dynamic. And I think we kind of all have that. How much money did you have saved up? Like how much runway did you have? Did you know that you're going to... <laughs> I had like 50 grand or something saved up. And at the start, we had to put in like, I think it was like 30 or 35 grand at the first business. It sucked so bad that, and we were losing so much money in the beginning that, I mean, I had to borrow money from my brother through our like family property account. I was like, hey man, <laughs> you know, do you mind if, <laughs> if we borrow this and I'll pay you back? So I don't know. I wasn't really like, it's kind of funny. You think about it and you, you think you're thinking things through, but you're not really thinking things through. So there's some things that you are prepared about and some things that you're just not. Tell us what your wife thought about you doing that. How long had y'all been married? I imagine you're probably making around a hundred K in income being a pharmacist. I was, yeah, I was making uh, more than that, but yes, because I was doing something other than being a pharmacist. I was doing healthcare consulting, but yeah, I was making, let's say 150 K mm-hmm. at the time, but still it was such a short period of time before I just you know decided to jump off the side of the cliff. But my wife was okay with it per se, but I don't think she knew or I knew what exactly we were kind of getting into, you know what I mean? So what we're getting into is tell us about it. You said there's another business before that. Yeah. The first business was like, it was a pharmacy business. And originally we just started it and as a, you know, as a retail pharmacy and it, we were getting just destroyed. So, uh, I mean, we were losing money. We're, I mean, we had, we had business, but it, it just wasn't, you know, there's pretty much three guys and we're trying to like, two of us are pharmacists. One's a business guy running a small business. If you make $50,000 a year in profit, that's a great business. So to make enough to pay everybody and to support families and go from making six figures to making no figures is pretty uh, rough. Right. You started your own pharmacy with two other people? Yeah. Tell us about, say if I wanted to start, I've got friends who are pharmacists who've maybe daydreamed about starting their own pharmacy. What did you learn? Well, the first thing I learned is what I know is garbage. <laughs> you know, we thought we knew what we were doing, but a lot of it is either you find somebody that has a good business and try to copy it and add something that's better, right? That's, that's one of the ways that people start a business, they say, oh, well, that Mexican restaurant, their tacos suck. I'm going to make better tacos and I'm going to have a different vibe to it. That's one way of starting a business and that's pretty tried and true and it does work. And then the other way is I'm going to pave my own path. And both of those are either way are very difficult. A lot of what happens is you get in there thinking, oh, well, that person doesn't know what they're doing or you know, they suck at serving chips on time or whatever. And you think you could do it so much better when in reality is there are very smart people out there and they are doing difficult businesses and there's a reason why they're having a problem and you want to figure out what that reason is and solve the problem. But what I learned right off the bat is I should have had more respect for what other people were doing and how hard it was. And also, I mean, for that matter of that is my dad, you know, he had a small business and he just made it look easy. But in reality, he just wasn't coming home and sharing with us, Hey, I had a bad day today because, you know, payroll was short. You know, we didn't get paid on time and this vendor sucked. He just never talked about it. So it was just kind of a pretty big eye-opening situation. How long were you there with the pharmacy before you shut it down? I think we had it for about three plus years and changes with Obamacare or ACA, you know, however you want to describe the bill. And so there was just some changes in insurance reimbursements that were happening. So we decided to just shift our business to something else. We have a lab. I just sold out of the lab, which is because I'm focused on before. But I mean, there's just some changes. And that's the other thing that we also learned pretty quickly and not in a hard way. We were actually a little bit more prepared for that, I think, because we had more respect for the fact that it was hard to do in the beginning and that it's not going to be forever as well. And so we were somewhat prepared for that from the standpoint of like, okay, things will change and that's okay. And 
that was another lesson I learned is that whatever you have, it's not permanent. Did you just start drinking a lot and that's how you came up with before? <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Uh, no, it's actually kind of a funny story, but my brother was joining a country club because he loves the golf way more than I think normal people do. And they were, I guess, a younger group of members, you know, around his age, professional guys. And they were going to put together like a trip for all the new members, you know, and I was like, okay, well, that's, that sounds really cool, Dave, you know, and of course I was probably just jealous that I wanted to go, but long story short, the two guys that were arranging had a business trip that came up. They couldn't go. My brother invited me and another buddy invited my now business partner, Dave. Literally by a lot of different factors, my business partner and I met playing golf at this outing, which both of us were not supposed to be at. And you know, I make a point of that because we could talk about it, but there's just so many other factors outside of what we're capable of doing. But, you know, so we met playing golf. You know, he found out I'm a pharmacist, entrepreneur, and I found out he's in the wine and spirits world. His family's been in for a while or whatever. And we played golf. We had some fun kind of just shooting the breeze. Two weeks or three weeks later, Dave called or emailed me or both and was like, hey, I'm in this world and I wake up feeling like crap all the time and I'm being entertained or I've got to entertain and I've got kids, I've got a job. Like, you know, is there a way to wake up feeling good or feeling better? And my exact response was, absolutely. I could make something, but it's probably going to taste like absolute crap. So at some point we'll have to flavor it and that's going to cost some money. You know, we just decided to throw a couple hundred bucks in to a bank account and we decided to split everything, even though it was his idea. He was like, yep, you make it. I got the idea 50, 50 and buy the ingredients. Let's see if we can make something that works. And that's how it started. Were you excited when you starting this? I was really excited just because when he called me and says, can you make something? That's like a dream come true for me because one, when we did research, there are people that have tried it, but they didn't come up with a solution, which I, of course, was like, perfect. This is awesome. I want to create something that nobody thought of. I also like that it was Dave's idea, to be quite honest with you, because it just shows, at least for me, my personality too, is like, I'm not thinking I'm a one-man band. I don't want to be a one-man band. Maybe sometimes, you know, being an entrepreneur, you act like it or you're mad about some things and you're stomping your feet or whatever. But in general, I love the team concept and I think everybody has huge value. But what places, right? And so I thought that was awesome. It was just like, and from the beginning, it was just a great story. It was Dave's idea. I had a, a skill set that could help him make that idea come true, but it took Dave to ask and it took me to say yes. So it really was a 50-50 partnership, even without us agreeing to that. So I was ridiculously excited, especially because I said yes. And then I asked my wife if it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess all good husbands do. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the good part, but yes, definitely all husbands do. I hope I'm a good one, but uh, you know, you'd have to interview her for that. I, I think I do well. When you were going ahead and deciding how to make this product, it's a drink that basically you should drink for consuming too much alcohol and hopefully you don't feel hungover the next day. Yeah. Were you just thinking right then, hey, I need to make a drink or can I do pill form or what, what were you thinking? First of all, yes, it, it is. You drink it prior to drinking any alcohol. It doesn't have to be in excess. You know, some women will have two glasses of red wine and they wake up not really fresh, you know, so you can drink it for that as well. We don't use the H word because of the FDA. We can't talk about any disease states. It's a vitamin supplement. It doesn't like cure or prevent any diseases. FDA looks at it as, as a disease. So we don't talk about that. But as far as the formulation, I had no pre thought out plans or preparations. It needs to be a, a, a liquid. It needs to be a powder. It needs actually all that I thought was I need to figure out what the body does at the end. Why does it feel like crap the next day? And then I work backwards. And making it as simple as possible for someone like me, who's not a pharmacist, 
what makes me feel like crap and how do you're able to figure it out? What makes you feel like crap is actually, it's pretty simple from the fact that your body looks at alcohol in a bad way, right? It wants to get rid of it. It doesn't want to store it and use it for something later that it feels it's beneficial. So the body breaks alcohol down and it breaks alcohol down so the body can manage those pieces in a much more efficient way to get it out of the system. So you can urinate it out or breathe it out. So there's no longer alcohol in the system. So the body isn't going to be damaged. So for the body to do this, it requires vitamins, minerals, fluids, electrolytes, your sodium, your potassium, your magnesium, your chromium, your B1, B2. It requires all of these things in order to make those processes happen. But your body only stores a certain amount of it. It only has a certain amount available. And so if you drink two glasses of wine and your body only stores enough to process one and a half glasses, well, your body's going to run out of what it needs to process the other half. And then it will sit in the system causing, you know, some sort of damage, if you will. Once the body gets what it needs, again, it will start now processing some more, processing some more. And it will just take a longer time to get it out of the system. The faster you get it out, the less damage and the least amount of alcohol that you leave in the body, the better. All we're doing is giving your body ahead of time what it needs to process alcohol out of the system. So that's the kind of covering the science. Now, the layman's way we discuss it is similar to sunscreen. So before you go out in the sun, you put on sunscreen, correct? Why? Because you don't want the body to be burned or damaged. So now if you stay out in the sun all day, you're going to put on another coat of sunscreen, right? And so it's the same thing with before. But the biggest thing is you have to start taking it before for it to be the best and highest use for the supplement to work. And that's why we named it before. That's why we tell you what to drink before you drink. You can drink a second or third can after you've had your first one, similar to how you would have sunscreen. So if you're going to drink all day, you can have a second or third can. So you can make sure you're not burnt or you feel good the next same concept. Did you get the magic formula right the very first time? Absolutely not. And Dave will tell you about that. We we had uh, probably, I don't know, 60 or 70 formulations, something like that. I'm not exactly sure. I'd have to look the number up again, but it was, we had a lot of formulations and pretty much I'd give it to Dave and, you know, like a little basin jar and I'd say, drink this. Tell me how you feel when you're drinking it. Tell me how you feel 20 minutes, 30 minutes, how you feel at night, how you feel the next day. So just pretty much old school research and development. You know, there's nothing fancy about it. Just write down how you felt. Started basically this three years ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Three years ago. How long did it take to make money? How much money were you pumping into this? <laughs> to make money? Still working on it? Well, no, we're making money as far as profit goes. Of course, we're in the growth stage. But uh, three years ago, Dave and I split a certain amount into the business, some thousands of dollars into the business. And that's how we started at 50 50. All right. Are we talking like 1,000, 2,000, or 50 or 100? We put in about a total of $50,000 between the both of us. Dave and I had it set in our minds was two things. One, we had to make sure the supplement worked. That was number one. That was our only goal. If we didn't pass that, we wouldn't go to number two. We had to make sure it worked, which we we did. And that took us about, I'd say about a year, maybe a year and a half. And then the second step was to get it flavored and to create a brand so we could have a can that it is in and ready for the market, if you will, so we could go and raise money. And then that part 
part took about another year or so to get it flavored, get a label, get a name, lawyers, count, you know, the whole disaster. And before we jump to the end of year two, it seems like making a product for a whole year, like uh, I understand that it obviously takes some time, right? But was it ever hard to be like, hey, am I ever going to make money doing this? Like a whole year that you're spending trying to do that? No, because I made pretty good money off my last business. So I had I had some savings. And I think that's kind of a big part of the whole, you know, people listening is it's a risk. Right. If you want to guarantee, you have to go work for somebody. Right. They will pay you. You show up, you leave, enjoy your life. You know, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I want. And Dave still had his full-time job, which is fine. You know, that was the commitment we made was I'll work on this. I'll do my part. You help us with that part when it comes. And, and it was fair. I mean, it did work out. It takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of risk. There's no sexy way to state it. Okay. That's just what it is. And I want to jump back to the end of the year too, but you said you made money before, but wasn't that the pharmacy or was there something else that I'm missing that were you? No, shipping? just the pharmacy. Yeah, just the pharmacy. We made some pretty good money off of that. And then when we shift the business to a lab business, we had kept a big part of our contacts and, and then I sold my piece recently. So I, I no longer own any of those businesses at this point, but we made some good money and had some savings at that point. No, I thought that you had made zero money off the pharmacy, but you're saying after a couple of years, you did pretty well. You just wanted to get out of it and do something new. Well, yeah. I mean, just like any business, some things, how it started is not how it ended. You know, things change as far as you have partners, you have long-term plans, you have different ideas of growth. We did well, and it was just kind of time for me to move on. Nothing. At that point, I just, I lived in Tampa. I didn't really like Tampa. You know, I liked living in Orlando. My family was here. And so it was just really a longer-term plan of like, okay, this did well. We got paid. We're going to shift business over here. That's great. You know, some of the things are changing. I'm going to move back to Orlando. I'm going to take out of my day-to-day responsibilities of still getting, a, you know, my piece as a as an owner as far as getting paid. You know, we had business in 40 plus states. We had a bunch of sales reps. I mean, we were doing very well. So it just didn't require my daily activity working on the business. My other business partner was running the day-to-day. So when I got back to Orlando was to figure out what, what was next. Am I going to start a business with my, you know, my mom wanted to start a pharmacy at one point. My dad, we've had a property business. So there was just kind of figuring out what the next steps. Well, you're talking about the end of year two. Basically, you're focusing on branding and lawyers, it sounded like, getting accountants. Just like all the legals, you know, the stuff that's not sexy is not really talked about, you know, setting up the entity, protecting yourself, getting, you know, we wanted to raise funds. We had to get get with an SEC or a securities and exchange attorney to say, how can we raise funds? What's legal? What kind of, you know, investors can we get? So there's a lot of information, a lot of learning. I didn't really know all of it per se. I mean, I knew some of it, but the whole point was I didn't really care. I was going to go get the information and just figure it out. Were you able to get money? Yeah. So we did to date were, so our first round, it was just family and friends. We raised about half a million bucks. And then uh, we are on our second round of funding at this point. And we raised another about one to one and a half millions where we're going to probably land. So we've raised a pretty good amount of money for us to get things up, running the business established, the foundation in place for us to kind of get to our next step. So how many people work there today and what's your revenues like? So today uh, well, we have two people in the building right now that are getting trained. So we'll probably be at about 12 employees. We started with one last year. So last year we're at one and this year we're going to be at 14 or 12 or 14, something like that as of probably end of this month. So, I mean, it's, it's good growth from the standpoint of needing to hire people to support our business. We started in Florida with 125 stores and now we're in Florida, Texas, and New Jersey. And of course, you know, we ship all over the place, but we have support staff in all of those states. If it's cool with you, I'm probably going to try to go rapid fire here at the end, just since we've missed okay. a good amount, but 
say someone's starting up a product company, what are the biggest things that you could tell them? Even if it's, you know, I guess yours is not really alcohol based, but just say a beverage product. What have you learned? The number one thing I learned is if you think it's going to take a month to just multiply by 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything is a lot longer. And I think most entrepreneurs are the same. They want it to happen yesterday. They want everybody to be perfect around them. They don't want any mistakes. They, you know, all this stuff. And then the other thing that I hate is the word failure. You know, that just needs to be cut out. There's to me lessons learned and you know, you just need to look at it as kind of like a speed bump. You're going to go over it. You got to slow down, but the car didn't fall apart. It's just, you got to take a little bit of a break to get over this particular part in the road. And to me, that's a big deal. And that is different than coming to a dead end or a place where you need to make a left or right. That's fine. But you're going to try something new. You've got to expect that there's going to be lessons learned. And I think that's the biggest thing is because if you have that in your mind and you can be resilient, then that's really the difference for the most part from somebody that is good at what they do. If they're going to try to then be an entrepreneur is really giving up. I mean, that's a lot of it. A lot of people do give up and or they run out of money. It's it's a really exhaustive road for sure. And what's motivated you to keep going? I just don't care about those things. I don't care about what society tells me is normal, how much money I need to have in my bank account, you know, what the word failure should mean, you know, how many times failure is repeated, you know. I just think that I have two goals in my mind, which is I want to be successful from the standpoint of I want to get better as a person every single day, no matter how long it takes me. I may get, you know, my wife may help me a bunch of times about, you know, cleaning the dishes, for example, but I'll get it. I'll figure out a way to make it a habit or what have you. I want to, I want to get better each day. And the other thing that I have a huge fascination with is building a team of unicorns. And that's kind of what our saying is around here before is we're just trying to find unicorns unicorns and whatever that they do, right? They're this mystical creature. Nobody can see them. And even if you did find one, you don't really want to tell a whole lot of people about it because you want to keep it to yourself, right? And I think that's what we're looking for is there's so many people that are unbelievable at what they do that have unbelievable talents. I want to get them on a team, hopefully this team, and do beautiful, amazing things with it. That's really been an obsession of mine. Tell us about hiring those quote unquote unicorns because you know if you can find that good person that can multiply your business big time. I mean, did you ever have non-unicorns? if you will, that you're hiring? Yeah, I mean, I think non-unicorns versus unicorns, I think really the biggest thing is how you deal with the person. I think all of us, no matter who it is, everybody has something they are just unbelievable at. Whether it is person that, let's say, cleans the building or the person that, like me, I made a product. If you put them in the right environment, you treat them the right way, then it will come out. And I think that's more on me and the leaders that we make sure we identify that this person has either the capacity, the ability, or the want, or hopefully all three, to get to that point. A lot of times the people that come to us or that we find or we call on already have it. They just need to be in the right environment. Like you've been talking with Christine. Christine is a freaking unicorn. And she had been in all these different environments, which were probably very good, but they just weren't great. And I'm hoping that we're the great place. I, hopefully we are the place that she wants to stay forever and, and we'll have a partnership you know, for a long time. And we can show through us just kind of trusting Christine that she is really unbelievable at what she does. So I think it's, it's kind of a combination of all those things. And do you have any routines or anything that has made you into a, a unicorn, if you will, as a leader? <laughs> 
I don't know if I'm a unicorn, but you know, as far as a leader, I just trust who I am. I don't, I don't have like a routine. Like I wake up every morning at 4:45 and I read a <laughs> motivational book. That is the dumbest crap I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. People can do that. That is great, and it will. Like for example, my business partner does that. He is unbelievable at it, and it works for him. And that's why he is great. But what I'm saying, and the reason why I say that's the dumbest crap is Dave can't come to me and say, John, you need to do this, and that's how you're going to be great. That is very close mind. If you want to read a book every day, and that's how you get your information like my wife or like Dave, perfect. For me, it's by meeting with people, by actually physically doing stuff. So my routine is trusting who I am and making sure I repeat that in a way that I can get the information that's going to make success. It may be inefficient. It may not be the smartest way, but the one thing that it is, it does work for me. And I think a lot of times people make that mistake is they're trying to be other people instead of being themselves and figure out what works for them. You know, I think that's very difficult. Can you give us an example of what you mean where you would be different from your partner as far as maybe you're going out and actually meeting people? So the difference between me and my partner, well, Dave is definitely taller than me, not as beautiful. I think I'm definitely better looking, but I think the way in which we deal with either our partners or, or vendors or what have you, I think I'm a bit more blunt and straight to the point. And I think Dave is a bit more strategic and thoughtful about the way he goes about things. One's probably like mine is probably more more confrontational style and Dave is not, but we may both end up at the same place. Maybe he gets what he needs and I get what I need. But if I did it Dave's way and I kind of got to where I wanted, I may not be happy in that process. And then I may not trust then my process. And then now I'm second guessing three and four other things. And that's why I think it's just, you want to figure out your way. You want to figure out what you're good at and how you like to do it. And then treat people as best as you can, as consistent as you can. You know, I think that's kind of how it should get framed. What's been the hardest part about making a product company? Oh man, the hardest part? Give us a couple top quickly, I guess, if it would help some. Yeah. So I guess personally, the hardest part is just trusting yourself. That's hard. You know, you're like you said, for three years of making a product and yes, you're raising some funds and you know, is it going to go to market or are people going to like it? I mean, that's hard. It could have gotten to market and people say it sucks. And then what? You know, it's, it's a pretty big hiccup, right? So I think that part was hard, but at the same time, I kept reminding myself was, well, I can go and get a job anytime I want. That seems pretty pretty weird that that's the case. So why is it really that big of a deal? And I just convinced myself, if you will, that so what, if it doesn't work and I have to go and apply for a job and they ask me what I've been doing for the past three years, I'll bet you I'm going to say something that nobody else is going to say, which makes me unique and makes me powerful, you know? So I think through that vulnerability, you become really unstoppable. And as far as business-wise, the biggest part that uh, is always a, a hurdle is that other people are depending on you. I think that's very hard because you can't be everything to everybody, but you still have to be responsible for them. And I think that's that's hard because you have all these people that are trusting you to join your team, to join all these things and that it's going to go well. And that's hard. You know, you wake up every day thinking about it, but it's a reality and I'm willing to take the challenge. Did you ever get depressed or anything or will you get to a wall where, you know, you have all these people counting on you and you're not sure if you can keep going? A hundred percent you get depressed. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and you don't get depressed, <laughs> then you need to write a book and I'll read it. But yeah, you get depressed because you're a human people are going to you have your ups, you're going to have your downs. And I think that just shows that you're actual human being and that you need to use those feelings in a positive way. For me, I just, you know, if I got depressed, I talked to my wife about it and she would let me know right away that... (laughs) 
There's nothing to be depressed about. Uh, a lot of times, at least in my case, I'm thinking about stuff tomorrow, the day after, the day, you know, and they haven't come yet. So plan what you can plan. Think about what you can think about, but take care of today. Tomorrow has enough worries for itself. So you can't solve tomorrow. You still have today. If you're going to take care of today's worries, then you're going to be busy for a very long time. I think that's important. And I think that's a good point. And kind of closing, do you have any other tips or advice for entrepreneurs who are getting started and what's the best way for them to reach you and say thank you for doing dinner as far as reaching me they can you know shoot me an email john at drinkbefore.com any way can help anybody that's interested in doing anything for themselves 100 i would love to help out that's my ultimate dream is to have like an entrepreneur's school that's free and people can come you know kind of learn what they want to learn but you know that that's for another day yeah and you can uh, join the entrepreneurship podcast anytime you want here yeah and the Yeah, I guess any last parting words of wisdom for someone who's crazy enough to start a company who was maybe thinking about being a pharmacist and they wanted to get out of it? What would you tell yourself or somebody in that situation? Do it as soon as you can, because you don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how long you're going to you're going to be able to enjoy life or enjoy the things around you. You might as well enjoy it doing what you dreamt about. And I think what can be sweeter than your dream coming true? I mean, why would you not chase that? So I just I feel like what needs to actually happen is you need to think about where does the risk actually lie? Once you figure that out personally, most people realize the risk actually lies staying in your job. And I think that's important that everyone just thinks they're going to live till 70, 80, 90, maybe. I mean, as long as they drink before, I guess after, before. Well, if you drink before, you'll live till 100. (laughs) I can't promise that. I can't Yeah, I know. Well, I'll I'll, I'll take out the I promise. I I promise. No, yeah. I mean, if you can't say hangover, I don't think you could say that. But uh... yeah, we don't say that. Yeah. Exactly. We don't we don't make any promises. But yeah, if you drink before, you'll definitely be happy. Right, there you go. Well, definitely give, make you feel good. You'll get the vitamins you're requiring. Yeah, drink exactly. And your mom will be happy too, better than anything. You're going to hire me on as a sales guy? Yeah, if you want. Yeah. No, I, uh, well, I mean, you're done with this podcast. So now what? Are you going to just go on vacation? Why don't you come work yeah, with us? Yeah, I know. I've already got all these episodes done, so I might as well. I mean, at least, Perfect. There you go. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I really do think that's important because everyone thinks that they can live another day, whatever. You know, I, me personally, I know if, if I died tomorrow, I'm already happy that I've, I think I've done a lot of stuff in life, right? And yeah. I, a lot of those people are thinking, okay, I'll stay in the job for 10, 20, 30 years and then start the company. But how much more stuff do you have? Yeah. But that's also still fine. If it takes you till you're 50 and you want to start something, just do it. That's the thing. I mean, it's fine if for each person, it may take a year, it may take a month, it may take 20 years. But the whole point is we're all capable. We all can do beautiful things. It's just, if you're thinking about it, which most people do, they think about the risk. And I think that, again, that's the part that changed for me is I realized the risk was staying versus go. Thank you, John, for joining us. He's the uh, better looking co-founder of Drink Before. (laughs) So thank you. Dave's going to call you about that. (laughs) You said it, not me. So appreciate it. Well, you repeated it. Yeah, that's all right. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Austin. I really appreciate it. And really good luck to you. I hope this all works out for you. It's really cool what you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Austin. See you, buddy. And I'd like to think it is working out for us. If you didn't know by now, we're consistently in the top 20 of business podcasts in iTunes. And that's not just in the US of A, but also in dozens of countries all across the world. So I want to give a shout out to our top 10 countries paving the way in downloads. In random order, here you go. South Africa, Ireland, Germany, United States, India, 
United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Thailand, and Ghana. And we have dozens of countries right outside of the top 10. So if your country wasn't named, then help them out by spreading the word about our podcast. Oh, and if you're in the top 10, well, you don't want to lose your ranking. So it won't hurt to tell a friend or a relative that would love the podcast. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next episode.